just sit in that moment, just declaring that you're good. You're good all the time. Not just when we can see it, God, you're just good all the time. All the time, God, you are good. And so in this moment, I just pray, God, over this crew here. As we gather under the name of Jesus Christ, we get all of our stuff on the table, whatever we came in with, whatever we're sitting with. God, I know there are families in our church, in our church family, that are mourning the loss of a loved one this week. I know several families. in the house for Jesus. Can we lift up Jesus in this place? Come on, guys. You guys can have a seat. We're glad you're here. My name is Luke. I get to be one of the pastors here. And if you pass the friendship folders down the roads, we appreciate that. I have a few things to highlight, but guys, last weekend at the church picnic, it was, it was just, it was next level. And so can we, I know Cindy and Dan are on vacation, but can we just celebrate them for just planning that? It was awesome. Yeah, I heard that. That was good. Um, it was a great time hanging out, eating good food and good people. Good times, good food, good people. It was a great day. Um, so that was just a blast hanging out with you all. A couple things I want to share that we have coming up. One, next Sunday we have Next Steps. Looking to take your next step in your journey with Jesus, taking your steps here at Crossroads. Um, you can sign up in the bulletin. You can sign up online. Um, but this is asking the questions like, you know, what do we believe here at Crossroads? How can I get involved? Meeting Pastor Ken, meeting more staff. There's a lady that came a couple years ago, and she said, you know, one of the best things that came out of that was I got to know one more person who was in the same shoes as me, and that person is now serving, has been baptized, joined the church, she's been serving. And so wherever you are at, we want to just connect with you and just help you take that next step. Sign up online, or you can sign up in the bulletin and just drop that in the offering plate as it goes by. But that's next next Sunday. The 18th after the second service in the gym. Free lunch, free childcare. It's going to be a great time to connect and take that next step. So that's coming up next weekend. And then, ladies, mark your dates on 11th through the 13th of October because there's a women's retreat happening. It's at Ligonier, which is very dear to my heart. I love that place. It's a wonderful place. And Western Pennsylvania has, like, the best camps. I mean, I know there's camps in the places, but I'm a little biased. And I love that place. And so make sure you check our website, and we'll have more information. Ron will be sharing more information to come. But mark your dates. I know the invites went out. Um, but you can sign up now. Like right now, you can sign up on our website, crossroadsministries.com. And it's on our front page. Just click on the Women's Retreat, and they'll share more information about it. So we're excited about that. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. If you're new with us, we could not be more humbled and excited that you joined us this morning. And, and, and as this plate passes, feel free to participate. This is for those who call this church their home. Um, but we give of our finances because we've been affected and changed by Jesus Christ. We give to a greater mission. And so as we give now, let's go before the Lord as we continue to go on this service. God, we love you. And just as we've sang, you are good, you are good. God, you're never going to let us down. God, in our minds, we, we think that you've let us down. But God, you've never left your word says that you will not abandon us, you will not forsake us, and God, I just know that you will never let us down. You're never going to ditch us. You're never going to leave us by the road. And Lord, as we walk this, this, 
this path of life. I know we're gearing up for students are going back to college. I know that we're we're, we're slowly um, saying goodbye to summer, and, and we're, we're we're cruising quickly in the fall, and more schedules and structures picking up like crazy. And so, God, I pray we'd enjoy these last few days of summer with our our college students and with um, those who are home for the summer. I'm just so thankful for them. And, and God, as we uh, move into rest of the service. God, I pray that we would just continue to just rest in knowing that you are good all the time, that you are king. And then as we open up your word, as Pastor Ken shares from Philemon this morning, God, I just pray that you would move in our hearts in the only way that you can through your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are the reason why we gather. You're the reason why we show up and we gather. We lift up your name. You're the reason why we give. So we just love you. We just sit and rest. So many of us started last week a new series, Philemon. It's a, a book in the Bible. It's one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's one page. It's only 335 Greek words. I don't know why I counted the Greek words and not the English words, but anyhow, it's 335 Greek words. It's a short letter, and it was a letter written nearly 2,000 years ago. And as we go through this letter, we're going to take a few weeks and, and go through this letter. We're going verse by verse through this letter, and we're looking and we're finding out that he talks a lot about relationships. Philemon had a, uh, there was an estranged relationship, and he's, a, and, and Paul's about to deal with this estranged relationship. Um, he had a, an employee, it was a slave, if you will, and the slave runs away, and so, um, the, let me give you the setting here. Philemon is over in this town, Colossae, and Paul is in jail in Rome, 1,200 miles apart. He meets up with this slave who ran away from Philemon. So he ran away from, from Philemon's team, and he's over here. Paul brings him Christ, gives him the Lord, and he sees growth in him as a, as a believer. So he sends Philemon back, and, he, and this letter is all about, uh, I'm sorry, he sends Onesimus back. Onesimus was a slave. He sends Onesimus back to Philemon, and it's all about how he can have restoration in this. And so last week we began with this. We said that you have to love God. Love yourself, and you have to love others. When we look at relationships, we always come to relationship when we want to go right to the relationship. So there's been a relational problem. When there's a relational problem, what do we do? We go right, and we want to fix that problem. But really, let me tell you where the root of the problem is. And the Apostle Paul shared that with us in the first few verses. It starts with a relationship with God. Your relationship with other people will never be repaired by going to them first. You have to come back to God. And as a matter of fact, if we don't have this vertical relationship fixed, we're never going to have the horizontal relationships fixed. Um, if you look and you're seeing that you're having a problem with the, with the vertical relationships, I'm telling you, the number one you've got to come back is to love God. Number two is you have to love yourself. Um, you know, don't confuse that with self-help. 
Self-help says to believe the best in you. You are good. You can do this and that type of thing. That's not what we're talking about here. God says that we've sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard of God. We have no good in us except for what God produces in us. That is why we have to come. We have to love God first. When we love God, then we can love ourselves. And I want you to catch this. If God loves you, why shouldn't you love you? Say that with me. If God loves you, why shouldn't you love you? You got confused already? All right. All right. So it's just hard to remember, but maybe you'll write that down and keep that. If God loves me, then I should love me. Uh, listen, God, it, it's like this is, I, I love what God loves. God is doing a work in this guy's life. And so if I'm not taking care of me, if I'm not loving me, what did Jesus say? He said, love God and love your neighbor as what? As yourself. So he's telling us, hey, listen, I know that you take care of yourself. I know that you love yourself. Now, don't be full of yourself. You want to love yourself, okay? And so that's the problem. When we become full of ourselves, is whenever it gets to be the problem here, all right? Many relationships start out on the wrong foot. You can start a relationship out on the wrong foot. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe you remember that awkward date you went on. And you say, that was a bad date, right? Uh, because it wasn't very good. It was just a, you know, you didn't mesh. There was no, no, uh, no good words. If you don't start off on a positive note, if you don't start talking positive things, it doesn't start off on the right way. So Paul takes this letter and he affirms Philemon. And listen, affirmation is really a lost art in our world because people are too hung up on themselves. You see, this goes back. See, if I don't love myself, I can't build you up. You see where the problem comes? And I can't love myself unless I love God because in me and my flesh there is no good thing. So I have, to, I have to understand this love from God. Then I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to love myself. And now I'm going to love others because this is all taken care of in the proper order. But affirmation is, is becoming a lost art in today's world. And I want, I want you to look in your life and think, who is the person who encouraged you? When you were in high school, who encouraged you? When you were a young man, who encouraged you? Whoever came alongside of you and said, hey, you're doing a good job. I'm sure everyone has somebody that's come to your mind. Maybe it was, uh, maybe you were in a class that you weren't doing so well, and, and the teacher came and said, hey, you can do this. You know, uh, I never had a teacher that told me that I could make an A. Um, I wish a few of them would have told me that. <laughs> I, just, I just got through it. All right. Uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, that uh, that book, The Scarlet Letter. Did anybody, we had to read that in high school. Well, I, I still haven't read it, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, I, I pick up a page and I'm like, well, who would read that? That's a waste of time. Right. And so so I'll never forget that. I was not motivated. Nobody inspired me. But when somebody comes alongside of you and says, you can do this. Man, it changes your life, and all of a sudden you can do it because somebody believed in you. And, and you didn't believe in yourself, but you come alongside and you believed in something, you can do it. That's what the Apostle Paul does here. Paul is about to have one of the biggest, serious asks. He's going to talk about Onesimus. He's going to say, Philemon, I want you to forgive, and I want you to take, I want you to take Onesimus back, and I want you to do this for the sake of Christ. I want you to do this because... You are a follower of Christ. And look what he does. He starts by affirming him. And the first thing about, being, uh, about affirming somebody, I want to encourage you. Remember last week I said you have to be something before you can do something. So this week I want to encourage you to affirm somebody. You have to be thankful. You have to be thankful. And, uh, and that's the first thought here this morning. Be thankful. And, and just uh, as you're looking at other people's life, you've got to be thankful thankful for what God is doing in them. Be thankful for who they are. Look what the apostle says here. Philemon 1.4. I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers. I always thank God. Uh, in the Greek, he basically says, I continually, I'm always praying for you. I pray for you all the time. And when I'm praying for you, I'm always thanking God for you. Now, I think that would be kind of cool to be remembered in the Apostle Paul's prayers, right? Like this was a, a leader. This, this guy did great things. And here he is in jail, 1,200 miles away, and he writes to Philemon. He says, I always pray for you. I always remember the things about you. I remember you in prayer. And, uh, and you know what happens whenever we don't put thanksgiving into our life? We get depressed. You start to make expectations that other people can't have. And so thanksgiving, to be thankful, thanksgiving is liberating. Say that with me. Thanksgiving is liberating. 
It really is. Now, I'm not talking about the Thanksgiving dinner. There's nothing liberating about that. That just is overwhelming, right? I'm talking about to be thankful. When you are thankful, when a husband looks at his wife and is thankful for her and lets her know it, it's incredible. I mean, there's incredible things happen. And, folks, if you'll go home and you'll take into your marriage and husband and wife, look each other in the eye and be positive and be thankful for them, there's no telling what could happen to your love life. I mean, it's just incredible, okay? There's no telling what could happen to your marriage. You will just be so happy. Why? Because somebody is thankful and somebody is building you up. He, uh, Thanksgiving is liberating. And, and so I want us to think, how much of the time are we thankful for the people around us? Am I thankful for my wife? Am I thankful for my kids? Am I, and how often do I let them know that? Am I thankful for the people that I work with? Am I thankful for the people in my church? I mean, how, how many times do I go and build them up? Uh, how about, how about your, the person who does your hair? How about the person who served you food at that restaurant, uh, your employer or your employee? Are you thankful? Can you go through and can you build them up and can you give them an honest word of thanks? Appreciation is the missing element in most relationships today. And, uh, and relationships are strained and people are misunderstood everywhere because people have raised an expectation that is so high that we can't meet anybody's expectation. I always tell young couples, when you're getting married, you know, when, I, when I'm doing this premarital counseling, one of the biggest things I talk about is to lower your expectations. Do you know why? Because if you're, if you're holding this expectation up here, your spouse will never meet it. And you'll be depressed all the time. And you'll be upset because it's just not the way you thought it would be. You, the, the dream will not be there. So what I tell them, I don't tell them to lower their standards. I tell them to lower their expectations and be thankful for what you have. So uh, let me just give you a little example here. Whenever I, I go home and, uh, and I cut the grass, you know, it's kind of expected that I cut the grass. And whenever I don't cut the grass, I hear about it. Some of you that may happen to, okay? You hear about this, all right? But whenever I do cut the grass and my wife comes to me and says, thank you for cutting the grass, and I'm like, is that all it took? Really? You mean to tell me you were really happy because I cut the grass? And she puts her arms around me and says, honey, I just love you. Thank you for cutting the grass. I know, we're not that mushy guys, okay, but, you know. But, you know, it just, it just means a lot. It really does. And I'm like, well, honey, I'll cut all night long now, you know. You'll do whatever it takes, right, because, because she said thank you. It's amazing what happens. When somebody says thank you, it, like, changes your world, man. You go, like, you are, like, you're, you're just a new person because you have extended something and somebody saw what you did and you said thank you. And so I want to encourage us, let's be people that are thankful. And I mean legitimately thankful. I think we have to look for people to be doing good. Do you realize that most people are doing something good around you, but you only remember when something goes wrong? Have you ever noticed that? Like, uh, you know, like, like this morning, you know, if, uh, you know, every now and then the, the lights will go off in the middle of the service because we live in Finleyville and the power just does that every now and then. You know, it's a third world country out here, right? And it just goes off, right? And you'll remember, oh, the power went out in the middle of the message and the pastor had to talk for 30 seconds without a microphone, you know? It's just amazing. Uh, I can give a, a message and, and on the way out the door, you know, 20 people say, hey, that was a great message. And one person will say, do you know how to end on time? And you know what I'll remember? I'll remember the one person who was negative. And then I'll go home and wallow in a pizza at about 2 o'clock. It's just amazing what happens, right? And so what happens is you remember when somebody's negative. But when somebody is thankful, man, it changes your world. And you will die for that person. You'll do whatever it takes. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm always appreciating you. I'm praying for you. I thank God for you in my prayers. And how do you pray for somebody? Because I'm convicted. Do I pray for my family like this? Do I pray for you like this? Do you pray for me like this? How should we be praying for each other? And the best way that I can tell you to pray for each other is to pray the scripture for one another. Let me give you an example here. Jeremiah 17, 7. This is a 7 and 8. This, This is a powerful passage to pray for our children, to pray for your spouse, to pray for the people in your life. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, 
whose confidence is in him. Can you see praying that for your kid now? God, I thank you for, and Lord, would you please, would you please make them confident in you? And look what verse 8 says. Here's what a confident person in Christ does. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Ooh, that 90-degree weather. Those trees make it through it, don't they? They go down where the water's at. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Why? Because his confidence is in him. That's what he's like. And so how about let's pray this for one another. And so there's an example of things to pray for. You know, what, what do you think the Apostle Paul's praying for them? He's praying for Philemon. And he, and he says, I thank God for you all the time. But he's praying that these people be strong and that they'll be confident in him. And isn't it powerful? Verse 7, he says, but be blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. You know, when I tell you to love yourself, I'm telling you to love God. Your confidence is him. Your confidence is not in yourself. But be confident of what he is doing in and through you. Be confident of who he is and what he is doing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Secondly, as you're, as you're looking for things to praise people on, you're looking for positive. We see so much negative, but there's way more positive that are happening in your relationships. And so as you're looking for them, the next thing, not just be thankful, but be genuine. Be genuine. You know, if I go home and my wife um, says, you know, boy, honey, the grass looks really good, and I haven't cut it in six weeks. I'll know that that's not genuine, right? I mean, you gotta you got to have something that's legit. And so the Apostle Paul finds some things that are legit. Affirmation has got to always be genuine. It has to be real. Otherwise, it's manipulation. And our world is full of people who will manipulate. And I've watched manipulators all over the place. It's, it's amazing. People will come in, and they'll make you feel good, and they'll do this. And listen, that, that's, that's not what the Apostle Paul was doing here. He was being genuine. He's being authentic. And so he's giving them a, a, a legit, he says, I'm thankful for you. Look here at verse 5. He says, I thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because, and here's the legit part, I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus. 1,200 miles away, I hear about your faith. That's a pretty big deal. And your love for all the saints. I hear about your love for all of God's people. This is a big deal. So he brings it and he gives him some honesty. If you're going to have a relationship of any sort, honesty is number one. You have to be honest. Um, And we go through not manipulating, not making somebody just feel good for the sake of feeling good. But we've got to bring into our relationship this idea that I'm going to help somebody. And here he says, look, I hear about your faith and I hear about your love. Your love, it's so important. You know, belief determines behavior. Would you say that with me? Belief determines behavior. That really does. As you are, as you are growing in God and you, you, you see things that are happening in your life, you've got to come back to the belief part. And many times, why don't we love ourselves? Because we don't believe that God loves us. And it's amazing. You may know it up here, but you're not really believing it when you go to work tomorrow. That God loves you. you. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And you are his child. He has saved you. He's ransomed you. And that's, that's how much he loves you. Powerful God. Powerful God. And so your belief determines your behavior. I can't forgive somebody else unless I understand how much I have been forgiven. I can't love somebody else unless I understand how much I have been loved. So belief determines behavior. And love really is liberating. And I mean, he, he's, he's, he's telling him how, about how loyal he is to Jesus and how loyal he is to the people of God. When faith is authentic, it always manifests itself in love, which is the glue together that holds together lasting relationships. If you're going to have a lasting friendship, if you're going to have a lasting marriage, you're going to have a lasting family, you know what it takes? It takes love. Love is the key. And so when, when we've got to be positive, we have to speak positive things into each other. There are plenty of negative things, folks. Philemon, uh, the Apostle Paul is about to deal with something negative. It's, it's one of the biggest asks. 
but he, 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 he hasn't got there yet. He starts out by dealing with the positive. And as he builds him up in the positive, he's using love. And love is the glue. You cannot have a relationship that will last without love. And I think if we could just understand it, because our relationship with God, you know, as, as God loves you and you love him back, your relationship grows stronger. The Apostle Paul said, Philemon, you love all the saints. He wasn't just playing favorites. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes you can see people who play favorites. They go after only the popular people. They go only after the powerful people. Uh, Philemon, he went after everybody. He loved the popular. He loved the powerless. He loved the lonely. He loved everybody. And so he, he went to all. And then he says to, to all the saints. So in just a few verses, he's getting ready to ask, give him a big ask. In verse 17, he says, so if you consider me to be a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. He said, so he builds him up. He says, listen, I know that your faith and I know about your love. And I want to remind you this morning of the importance of love because love is so important in our relationships. And it's so important to understand that you cannot be in love with God and not express love around you. Look what he says, 1 John 4. Look what John tells us here. This is powerful. He says, Dear friends, uh, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Where does, God, where does love come from? It comes from God. Let us love one another because it comes from him. Verse 8, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. I don't even have to preach anything more on that, right? Just read it. It's there. If you don't love, you don't know God. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. Now he's illustrated. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Your sin separates you from God. God loved you enough. He sends Jesus to this earth and Jesus dies on the cross, pays for your sin. This is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus for your sin on the cross. It's love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's a powerful verse. No one has seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. It's mature in us. You know what? Nobody on your street has seen God. Nobody on Norman Avenue has seen God. But God placed me on Norman Avenue so that they could see God. Whoa. How about your street? Nobody has seen God on your street. Nobody's seen God at your work. Nobody's seen God in your family. But he placed you there. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you realize Jesus is using you? He placed you where you're at for a reason. And it's not just to come to church on Sunday. It's not just to feel good about your, your theological beliefs. It is to love and it's to go out there. And God says it real clear. If you, if you don't love, well, what about when hard times come? He says, look, if you don't love. Listen, it's easy to love when, when things are lovely, aren't they? I mean, you know, when, when things are going good, love is easy. But when there's a problem... That's how God loved us. There was a problem. It was called sin. And, and, and it was called sacrifice. God had to make a sacrifice in order to love me. So I look at my family. I look at my wife and I say, man, am I going to love my wife? It's going to require sacrifice. I look at my kids. If I'm going to love my kids, it's going to require sacrifice. And for my wife and my kids to love me, it's going to require sacrifice on their part. And that's how relationships work. And so as we go out and we start to love, if I do not sacrifice in my love, sacrifice to love my neighbor, man, God is not in me. We know that we live in him and he in us, verse 13, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God 
and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment because in this world, in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. You know, when you go to love somebody, there's always the fear of what you'll have to give up. There's always the fear of your reputation. There's always the fear of your pride, of humility, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of fears. I want you to know that Jesus was not afraid to love anybody. Jesus went up, a prostitute came up and talked to Jesus, and he, and he talked to the prostitute. His reputation was not at stake. Jesus was going to be Jesus no matter who he talked to. Amen? He was not afraid of your sin. And you know what? Many times as Christians, we're afraid of the sin of others. We're afraid of their lifestyle. We're afraid of the things that they do. And God was not like that. Jesus was not like that. He, he walked and he talked to the woman at the well. The woman at the well had five husbands, and he knew about it. But he gives her the living water. I mean, God was, Jesus was always loving and always building and always doing what he's asked us to do. The perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Oh, I love that verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We didn't go to him. He came to you. I love that. Many people tell me, well, you know, when I found God, let me explain it to you like this. When God found you, when God opened your eyes to his love, because he's been loving you since day one. Um, he says, we love because he first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. God, that's some pretty heavy words. What, what do you mean? He says, if anyone says, I love God, doesn't love his brother. He's lying. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. He's given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. The source. We have to come to our source. God is the source. So I keep coming back to him. And I love God. And as I work on this vertical relationship, it transforms all my horizontal relationships. Um, be inspiring. Now, when we affirm other people, when we build other people up, we are to inspire them. The scriptures say to spur one another onto love and good deeds. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing here with Philemon. He was inspiring him onto love and good deeds. Look what he says. It, so it comes right off of verse 5, verse 6. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I pray that you may release that love that you have for the saints and help help other people that are on the outside to become on the inside. Help those people that don't know Jesus, help them to become a follower of Jesus. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And and you know what? It's just something that, that, that comes, and, and, and we want to come out there and be natural, to just share who we are. It's, it's an overflow. You know what? Um, I was uh, years ago. I was down at Cannonsburg Hospital, and I was getting an X-ray for something or other. And I was sitting in the waiting room, and there was this football player there, and he was he was an older football player. He's from the glory days of the Steelers, and he had a Super Bowl ring on. And I'll never forget it. I didn't ask him about a Super Bowl ring. He just showed it to me. I mean, you're sitting in the waiting room, and goes, "Did you ever see one of these before?" I was like, "No." And it was before the days of cell phone, or else I would have had a picture of it, right? I was like, "Yeah." Wow. I can't remember the guy's name. He was not mean Joe Green or anybody like that. He, he, he told me, he says, he didn't really get on the field too much. He might have had a play or two in his whole football career. He said, you know what? I was there for every practice. I was on the bench, and I was there, and I, I practiced so hard, and I made those guys out there really good because they practiced against me. I was like, whoa. That's, that's a man who's got, who's got it figured out, right? He's part of the team. And he showed me the Super Bowl ring, and he's just like, how about that, huh? And I'm like, dude, you're the man. And I'm just having this fun talk, you know, and you're just, anytime you meet a football player like that, you're like, wow. And he's showing me this, and it's just coming out, right? And so, so I want to share that because he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith. And so this week I'm out there, and, you know, I, 
talking to a doctor this week, and, and the doctor, me and this doctor got into this conversation, and the doctor started saying, we got one on the history of medicine. You know you're getting into a good conversation when that happens. We went all the way back to Hippocrates. I'm like, oh, man, Lord, help me here. All right, so this doctor's going on about Hippocrates, and we have this great discussion about the history of medicine, how we got to where we are today. And then at the end I said, you know what? There was a doctor who wrote a book in the Bible. His name is Luke. And this doctor looked at me and said, really? I never heard that. And I said, yeah. And, and you know, I'm just kind of curious where he was at. Like in Hippocrates, what he said and all this about medicine, because I've often wondered, you know, like he didn't have x-rays and how did, how, did, how did Dr. Luke work in those days? And it's a legit question. So we brought this common ground. I said, you know what, Luke is filled with all kind of details because you doctors are so brilliant. I mean, you guys are so detail-oriented. And this, this doctor, we had this great discussion, and, uh, and I was like, hey, we'll talk some more later. And you see what I got to do? I got to share my faith. I got to, I got to point him and I said, you should go read it sometime. Read what this guy said because he documented the life of Jesus. And so it was so fun for me. And, and see, he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Man, I got in the car after talking to that doctor. And I was like, that was so much fun. And I just got to be thanking God. And, and it's like, man, what do I have in Christ? I have this awesome relationship. I'm, I am loved by the King. I am set free. My life is, is, is made new because of Jesus. And, and on the way home, I got to share that with him. And I'm, I'm just coming back. I'm thinking more and more about my relationship with God. And so the Apostle Paul, he inspired people. He encouraged them. He spurred them on to love and good deeds. And I want to encourage you. To, to inspire people, encourage them on to love and good deeds. You know what? When somebody comes alongside of you and, and challenges you and encourages you, what do you do? You, you want to go harder. You want to go harder. I, I ran a 5K. I should say I walked a 5K. I, I, I walked a 5K. I've done a few of them. And I went out on this 5K, you know, and, and my wife wouldn't even come. She's like, it's too early. I'm not going to that side. So, so I said, okay. Carice came with me. And I, it was called the turkey trot. I remember we were down there. The Petros were down there. Elena was running. And, uh, and we were all cheering. You know, everybody's cheering everybody on down there. And I look out and I see the DePetro family. They're all out. Keller's out there. The, the whole clan is out there. And they're holding signs, Go, Elena! And me and Carice are out there. I'm like, how's come nobody's holding a sign for me? And I'm like really depressed. And I'm like, honey, you should have come and cheered me on. So, so I, we start the thing, you know, and I'm like, Carice, I know you're not going to be able to keep up with this old man, so you just go ahead and go. And so she did. She ran. She got all 5K down, and then she came back and picked up me up about 2K. And then she, uh, she just come alongside of me, and she's encouraging me. She's like, come on, Dad. You can do it. You can do it. And I'll tell you what. When somebody comes alongside of you and encourages you, I'll never forget. Elena, she made a cross. You would have thought it was a marathon that day. Those family were cheering her on. Why? Because encouragement sends you to do things you never knew that you could do. And look at the power that we get to have in the little kids in our church, in the teenagers in our church, in the family of God here, by coming alongside and saying, man, you are growing in Christ. Keep it up. Look, you have been faithful to God. You know, I love to tell people every Sunday, when you walk in the door, I, I, this is one of my favorite things, and I genuinely, genuinely mean this. I am glad to see you. I am so glad you're here. You know why? Because it is true. We are glad that you are here. Because this is a family. And as this family grows, as I'm not just talking numerically. I'm talking depth. We take our feet down. We go in and we become those trees that are planted by the water. And when the heat comes and when the storms come, we survive. And we're here 10 years later to tell about it. We're here 20 years later to tell about it. Why? Because we have encouraged each other in Christ. Um, and, and be an encourager. Be encouraging. When you look to affirm somebody else, do what the Apostle Paul does here. He is encouraging. And uh, in Philemon 1, 7, he says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. 
You have refreshed the hearts of the saints. That word refresh is, is, uh, is a word. It's kind of mean, I was once in pain and now I'm healed. It's kind of like having a toothache. You know, I once had that toothache and now it's gone. You, you remember when you had a toothache and you went to the dentist and the dentist worked on that thing? And you come out of there like the next day you're like, oh, I'm so glad that pain's over. I'm so glad that's gone. That's what, that's what Philemon did for the people of God. He said, you have refreshed them. You have taken them from pain. Folks, how many times do we cause pain versus removing pain? The people of God, we are called to refresh one another. And so he comes over to, 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 the, to Philemon. He writes him this letter. And I want you to think about that because encouragement is so necessary. We live in a world today where nobody speaks anything good. All we ever hear is what you didn't do, what went wrong, how bad you are. Charles Schwab, that's a Pittsburgh name, isn't it? You've been in Pittsburgh long enough, you've heard of Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab worked for the multimillionaire industrialist Andrew Carnegie. He became the first man to make a $1 million salary in a single year. One might be quick to assume that he knew more about manufacturing of steel uh, than anyone else in the world. However, that was simply not the facts. And in fact, by his own admission, there were, there were many others that were far greater in the technical and skill know-how than he did. When, when, uh, why then would Andrew Carnegie pay this man a million dollars a year? And remember, that was shortly after the turn of the 20th century. So that's, that's a whole lot of money, more than what we would think of a million today. Schwab was paid this because of his ability to motivate others and to, and, and to positive and productive interpersonal relationships. He was one of the first widely recognized motivators of, and movers of men. Charles Schwab put it in his own words like this, and we'll have it on the screen here. He says, I consider my ability. Now, this was Charles Schwab. He says, my, I consider my ability to encourage enthusiasm among men the greatest asset that I possess. And the way to develop the best that is in a man is by appreciation and encouragement. There is nothing else that so kills the ambitions of men as criticism from their supervisors. I will never criticize anyone, period. I believe in giving a man incentive to work. So I am anxious to find praise. But I loathe, I hate to find fault. It still works today. That's how relationships are built. Man didn't really know much about still. He knew a whole lot about people. He knew how to motivate people. You know how you motivate somebody? is not by telling them how bad it is. You know what? Most marriages are going down the tank because people are telling each other what they don't do and how bad each other is. It's always bad, and it's always good. And if you'll come and you'll just take this and you'll look into your spouse and you'll say, Hey, you cut the grass today. Thank you. And watch what God will start to do in your marriage. And you look at your kid, and your kid's got so many problems, failing, all kind of things. Guess what? You look at your kid, and you find, you search for it. You look for something good to say. You watch what God will do in that kid's life. And, you, and here's, here's the other thing. You watch what will happen in your life. When you look at your spouse, and I truly become thankful and I say wow God you've given me this wonderful woman thank you Lord you you know what that does it changes me and this is how transformation works you'll never change the other person conflict happens this is how most people deal with conflict I'm right you're wrong you change we'll get happy isn't that how it works you do it in a marriage, you do it with your kids, you do it with your, with your parents, everybody. But here's what we do. We come and we say, okay, this is an offense. This, Paul's getting ready to ask the biggest ask. And he says, I, I'm positive about you, Philemon. You've done so much good. So he looks and he finds the good. And if I do that with my kids, God changes me and I become legitimately thankful for my kids. 
And I've become legitimately thankful for my church. I look around my church. You know what? All churches have problems, folks. When I look around our church, I don't look at the problems. I look at the God of the universe who transformed lives. And I'm looking around this auditorium and I'm saying, wow, God, you're transforming people. And, you know, is there bumps and bruises all along the way? You bet. Where there's movement, there's friction, folks. We're going the same direction and we still collide. And guess what? I've got to hold my head up high and say, God, you are God. You are good. Good. Oh, you're good. Man, I love that song. I sing it. I make up my own version down here. It's incredible. I do. The praise team, if you ever see the praise team laughing, it's because they know I'm making up my own words down here. You know, I'm like, you're good, 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 good. Oh, you're so good. Listen, he is so good. When we get together and we're singing and we're lifting and we're raising the roof up, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, we got holes in the parking lot. Which we don't anymore, thank God, right? I'm not saying, oh, will we have enough space today? Oh, I'm saying, God, you are so good. Look, people, the other week, people were waiting in line to come into the church. And it had a little bit to do with me going till 20 after, but, you know. But listen, I said, God, you are so good. And when there's nobody waiting in line, I said, God, you are so good. You know what I got to be with today? I got to be with the body of Christ. This is such a privilege, and I am truly, legitimately thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your giving. You give week in and week out, and you you don't skip a beat. You say, God, you're God, and you're holy. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you people who are serving. There's people serving all over the place. I, I heard downstairs there's 78 people serving. 78 people. Folks, most people would love to have 78 people in their church. Can we thank God for that? He's good. Let's thank him. Listen, just all over this place, I'm just watching what God is doing. And listen, it's okay. There's bumps and bruises along the way. And in your relationship, be like Charles Schwab. There's nothing else that kills ambitions as criticism. Be the person who comes in and is positive to your kids to your wife, to your neighbor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let's go to Jesus. Folks, I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. Relationships are hard. Relationships are messy. They take time. They take energy. They take a whole lot. I want you to go home and think, who has God got in your life? Who is God talking to you? Maybe there's somebody on your mind this morning. First, I want you to go to God. I want you to love him. And then I want you to love others. Love yourself in the process and just say, God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in me. Now, God, would you work through me? God, you recognize all my shortcomings. You love me despite my failures, despite my inability to look for the good. You love me through all this. So God, give me the strength to love others in that way. If you're here this morning and you've not opened your heart to Jesus, that's where it starts, folks. And I want to invite you. Because Jesus looked into your life in the midst of all the mess and he saw something positive. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for you. And he gave you the opportunity to have new life. And I invite you to that this morning. If you've not yet opened your heart to Jesus, would you pray a prayer something like this and just invite him in this morning. Just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you and I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. But Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you into my life right here this morning. And for others this morning, maybe maybe there's a name somebody's laid on your heart. There's, there's a situation that's hard and you've got to go back to God first. You've got to be transformed first. You've got to look for something that you can be truly thankful in.
in this other person and, and, and you can't go there yet because you haven't loved yourself. You've been hurt. You've got to come back to God and, and let's correct this thing with God and, and let God understand how much you've been forgiven and just revel in His grace. And then ask God for the strength for you to find something positive in that person and, and, and just move to the next step. And in, in the next few weeks, we're going to move along as Philemon is challenged. And we're going to look at the challenge and how that we can actually be like Christ in this way. Lord, be with your people this morning. God, as we sing our closing song, I pray, Lord, that this will be a moment where we revel in your love, we revel in your grace. Lord, because we have the living hope of Jesus, because you rose from the dead, we get to have victory. We get to go to heaven with you. We get to have families that are living in harmony. We get to have a church that lives in harmony. We get to have a community that we can turn upside down because of you. And it will only happen through the love that you pour in and through us. God, be with your people as we respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song, Christ, you are my living hope. Let's sing it with passion this morning.